Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Run for the Song Podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of Drum for the Song Podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is Jack Sutton Bassett from the Cornish rock metal band, whatever you want to call them, King Creature. I had a great conversation with Jack. He's still a very young drummer, but he's accomplished quite a lot, as you will find out in the interview. You'll find out how his band King Creature were the first band ever to be signed to Marshall Records. We talk about the recording and release of their upcoming album, Set the World on Fire, which I'm really looking forward to hearing. We also talk about what it was like when the band supported Motorhead and the Stranglers at a gig a few years back. And we also talk about what it was like for them supporting the amazing Doro in Germany last year. One of the main things that I'm jealous about with Jack is that he actually got to play a proper rock show this summer at a venue called The Yard in Cornwall. So stick around to hear about how that came about and how they managed to stick to all the rules and the regulations with the lockdown and the social distancing for a gig, an outdoor gig in the summer. Sounds great. But before we get to the interview, I just want to make sure that you're all following me on social media. If you're on Facebook, if you search for Dane Campbell Drummer, you can uh, like my music page on there. And there's also a Drum for the Song official Facebook group that you're all welcome to join. It might be easier to stay up to date with all the new episodes. If you're on Instagram and Twitter, you can follow my personal page, Dane underscore drums, or you can follow the podcast at Drum for the Song. If you've been enjoying my podcasts and think you'll keep enjoying them, please consider supporting me on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There, you can get some extra bonus content. I do a monthly episode every month. That's exclusive to my followers on there. You also get the episodes a few days early. And I also do a monthly Q&A session, which is really cool. And and that's growing every month now. So it's great to meet new people every month on there. You can sign up for as little as £1 a month. But the, the main benefits come in from the £3 tiers and up. But any support would be massively appreciated. It really helps, keeps me going through these tough times. So let's get to the interview with Jack Sutton Bassett. Drum for the Song Podcast. Hi there, this is Drum for the Song. Today, my guest is Jack Sutton Bassett from the fantastic band King Creature. How's it going, Jack? Yeah, not bad, Dane. How are you doing, bud? You all good? Yeah, I'm all good. Keeping busy and, you know, doing this podcasting as much as I can and working and some other things and not playing drums enough which is a shame but we'll talk about that in a little while so just to mention to the audience we've known each other a few years now um King Creature supported my band Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons on our UK tour last November so November 2019 so we got on really well and we had a great tour I think did you enjoy it? Yeah, we had a fantastic tour. It was really good. Proper laid back kind of vibe because, of course, we already 
we've all met each other before, so we didn't have to do that weird ice breaking stage you have to do with bands normally, you know. So it was really easy, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a great time. The shows were really good. Yeah, and had a blast, man. Really good. Awesome. I'm glad. Yeah, that's a good point actually about the ice breaking, because um, we've been on support tours before, and there's a weird combination of you don't want to get in their way or interrupt them or you know get do anything that'll upset them but then you kind of want to do that introduction thing yeah i I always feel like i wait for them to do it and if they don't do it it's kind of like oh wow yeah we've had it before on before on like different tours sometimes that can take like like a week can it you know when you've got a two-week tour like i don't know it's just always like you're shredding on eggshells around everyone you don't know how everyone works like how you want to load in do you who goes first, this and that. But of course, we've all done it before. It's really easy. As soon as yeah. we've all got off the bus into the venue, it's all happy days, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, just, to be honest, yeah, you, yeah. Guys, you guys were completely on it. Um, and it, you could tell you'd obviously done it a few times before. So yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, you'd bring your stuff in. You wouldn't, you, you know, you'd never get in the way. And then you'd set your stuff up. It'd be fine. There was no, there was no issues at all. So thank you for that. <laughs> That was one thing we always like pride ourselves on. I think it's really important. Like, it's almost more important how you conduct off the stage than on the stage. Yeah, totally, man. The show for us only lasts about half hour, forty-five minutes. But of course, we spent. People don't see we spend hours through the day prepping the show, prepping the merch. So there's always, there's a little like unwritten rule of you let the headline band set their stuff up first. You kind of work around it, and yeah. I feel like that's really important and we pride ourselves on making that a point, you know? Well, definitely. I think that'll certainly help and you'll get a reputation for that in the long run, which will help you get some support slots, more support slots. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, honestly, it is really important. Because if we've heard of, even though if a band are really good and they pull good numbers, if we've heard that they're a bit awkward to work with or, you know, they're, you know, this, they're known for being a bunch of tossers or whatever. We'd like, well, no, we won't have them, even if they sell tickets, you know? So it's yeah, this of, is it. You, you want just want to make, you want to make the whole thing as easy as possible, don't you? you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone and for the crew and stuff. So let's, yeah. start, let's start from the beginning then. Um, how did you start playing drums and who were your biggest influences at the time? Well, I started around aged, I was about nine when I started playing drums okay. and it all stemmed from my uncle, when I was really young, gave me a really haggard, scratched, hell burnt copy of Appetite for Destruction, where yeah. I think a lot of people my age just kind of like, that's where you start, isn't it? Like, that's such a legendary album. And I always wanted to be a guitar player first, but I kind of had a family member, I'd want to try it, and I got like no instant results, so I got pretty lazy and I thought, nah, sod that, can't hmm. be bothered. And then I remember one day just hearing, um, you know the song Rocket Queen? Yeah. It's got the drum intro. As soon as I heard that, I was like, fucking hell, man, that's, that's cool, isn't it, you know? And then ever since then, I was like, you know, let's give this drumming like a go. Because when I was younger, like in school, like it always, um, it always, I saw the drum getting for It's a cool thing, isn't it? So yeah, ever since I heard that, I got some really early lessons and as soon as I sat on the drum kit, I could kind of like do something, you know, I could hold a beat together and I was like, wow. All I couldn't do much, I had that instant result, which kept me to stick with it, to be honest. So I think Stephen Adler growing up was there, from Guns N' Roses was a very big, important, uh, important thing for me. 
So that's how I got the ball, ball rolling, really. Awesome. So, um, yeah. Just, so, um, yeah, so that was the main thing. So did you have many lessons or you mainly self-taught? What's, what's the deal? No, I kind of had lessons from a young age, but this was a weird thing because I was in primary school when I started and um, there was this kind of um, music club where you go up to the secondary school and there's older students kind of teach you the basics. So you're kind of limited to what they could do. But um, <laughs> I ended up finding myself that I ended up overtaking them after a couple of weeks, you know, which was uh, really good because I, re I really took to it and I was really dedicated to it. I didn't have a drum kit at home or anything, but, you know, when you're wow. young, you're just like tapping on the table and everything. And there's, there's quite a lot you can teach yourself about the drums without actually sitting on a drum kit, I find. Yeah, I agree. This, this, especially like, with like rudiments and patterns and paradiddles and, you know, things like that. You don't need a, to be at a kit to practice. No, this is it. Yeah, you can just kind of go for it mentally. You can even tap the table. And uh, I've, I've used that to learn a lot of songs before. Like I've done a couple of depth gigs with other bands. And I've kind of jumped on it without practice and even being at a drum kit, you know, you can kind of, you can literally, it's not like where you're at a guitar, you've got to practice it on your instrument. I feel like, yeah, that's a benefit of being, playing the drums, I think. So, yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. And I think some people maybe don't realise you maybe aren't drummers and they think, oh, that looks so hard. It looks so hard. We, you know, it is. But once you kind yeah. of gather basics and you get the coordination and your brain you know, knows how to identify the different parts of the kit. You can learn songs even just by listening. And then you can imagine what you're yeah, meant to be doing. And as long as it's not overly complicated, it's quite easy just to know how to play that song. Like, yeah, this to is teach it. you. It's just, you can just sit at the kit and just play along with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. That's cool. So were you in many other bands before King Creature? And how did King Creature form or how did you join? How did that work? I mean, I was in a couple of like jamming with old buddies at, in school. I had a good mate of mine, James, he was always a guitar player and we used to jam metallic songs together as you do. But I never, I was never in a, a gigging band before, you know, I did a couple of like pub gigs with like the college groups, you know, as you do. And, um, but no, King Creature is my first proper band, if you were. Awesome. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of my, uh, learning about studio work proper live work it's all been done in this band so it's been quietly uh, quite a journey to be honest well yeah man i, yeah. I didn't realize it says on on your website you've been going since 2013 2013 yeah about winter 2013 we formed yeah nice nice no, i didn't realize you've been together that long and I, I found a nice quote i don't know whether it was you guys that came up with it king creature is the embodiment of rock and roll with powerful metal overtones. I think that was, I think that's, a weird, that's, that's on your website or your Facebook or something like that. Oh, Christ knows who wrote that, but yeah. I, think it's quite, I thought it was pretty good and pretty fitting. Um, are there any other ways you'd like to describe the sound of the band for anyone listening? I don't know, King Creature's a really weird band. We've always found it really hard to fit in onto bills because we were either on a metal bill with the lightest band there, on a rock bill with the heaviest band there, we're kind of like towing the line between the two. We've always found that to be the case. So going out on tours with bands, we've always, we've always found it quite difficult, you know, like where to fit mm. and where, where like people want to put us, you know, like especially on like, um, you know, you get these all day festivals, you get the metal ones, we rock up and uh, we're like, oh, you're not heavy. And then 
the rock ones like oh you're far too heavy yeah <laughs> so we're always we're always in this weird gap but i feel like as time's gone on i feel like we've uh drifted towards the the heavier side a bit more now especially with the stuff on the new album yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which I, I haven't actually heard yet apart from the the single you put out the, the video you put out recently so do you want to talk about okay. that with the you know with the, the all the fathers and things yeah, so that's the latest one called Wisdom Told. That's kind of the brainchild of our our manager Jules, you you know. Um Yeah. Yeah, he, he wanted to write a song with some meaningful lyrics kind of from the heart about the father's thing as he felt like it's it's something that always gets missed. You always get people mention like the mothers, this and that, and he was like, I thought that was really important. So yeah, that's kind of a more laid back, it's kind of the ballad of the album, if you were. Yeah, which we weren't. We were never. Um, it was never planned to be on this album, but the record label liked it so much they kind of it forced its way on. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we've we've kind of come to the idea now, and it's all right. But yeah, and we released another two singles. One called "Falling Down Again," which is quite a real, real heavy one. It's got some more thrashy elements to it. It's got some real fast work on it. And a song called "Desolation." I don't know if you've seen the video on YouTube, but it's it's. We got the setting fire to the whole place. It's quite a crazy oh, video. Nice. Yeah, setting in setting in industrial yards. We're all set up live performance, fire going everywhere. I so that's a really cool song. It's quite a heavy one, a bit more of a straight up mid paced pounder kind of tune. So we feel like we've got out the three singles so far quite a in the metal in the metal world, especially a bit of a mix going on at the minute. Well, that's, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. It shows that how broad the songs are going to be on the album, really. It's not just, you know, yeah, 12 sure. tracks are the same thing. So I think that's Sure. Cool. And, uh, and we've got other songs there where the heavier stuff gets heavier and the lighter stuff gets lighter. So we've kind of gone to the extreme of both ends of the spectrum, if you know what I mean. So, nice. yeah, nice. yeah, I'm really happy with it so far. I've, been, I've had it on repeat for months and I'm not sick to death of it yet. Well, that's so a good, that's that's a good sign, sign, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Are like you still listening to it? Because sometimes, well, from my, my personal view, sometimes when we finish an album, I will listen to it constantly for like maybe a week. And then I, you know, I, I don't listen to it for a while. Then. Like our, our new album, which is coming out in November as well. I haven't put that on for a good month or so, but maybe I should start yeah. listening. I guess maybe I would if, I, if we had shows and we were like playing the songs live. Which yeah, and you want to get fresh in your brain, don't you? So yeah. you, you know what you're doing. I know there's no immediate reason for me to kind of keep on top of the songs, and I've just been enjoying other things and podcasts. But yeah, you're. I know because yeah, I know what you mean. But um, so you're you signed to Marshall Records. Yes, which is really cool. Um, a very cool re- record label with quite a variety of different bands on there. How how did they discover you, or did you approach them? Well, this is a really funny story because, of course, our younger guitar player, Dave, um, he's been like endorsed. He's been like a friend of Marshall since he was like, I think, 13. So since he's really young. So we've always, ever since the band started, we've had the bit of a backing from Marshall, like, albeit it wasn't official in the start, but we used to pop up to the factory. They had a big theater we used to jam in. They helped us out with some gear. You know, they always serviced our gear. They sent of course they own the tail drums yeah so of course they had some loan stocks they said oh do you want a drum kit i'm like of course yeah i'm not, yeah. Gonna, turn, I'm not gonna turn that down yeah. yeah so they sent me a drum kit uh they sent dave um dave kettle they sent me a new bass rig so 
we've always had that good support from Marshall. And then, and then it got to the stage where we're talking to him like, yeah, we need to, we need to do an album now because we, we had done an EP and a two track single as well. And it's like, it's time to do an album. They said, all right, what you got in mind? I said, well, we don't know. We, we got like 12 songs ready to record. But as you know, when you're a young band, financing an album is quite a struggle. Definitely. You know? yeah. and, and this was, um, I can't remember what year it was now, but it was before Marshall Records was a thing. But basically they agreed to kind of sponsor an album for us. So nice. they said, oh, so we had to, uh, we played the tracks in front of the, uh, the big boss who we know really well, but uh, that was the most daunting show of my life playing in front of like one person, you know, just in this big room, trying to get like the seal of approval from him. So yeah, and then he said, yeah, sounds great. Let's, um, let's try and get you in the studio. So they had uh, a chap up at Marshall called uh, Luke, who knew a guy called Rob Cass really well, who works from Abbey Road Studios. He said, Let's go have a meeting with my mate Rob. And we thought, ah, oh, it's just, it's just, we'll go meet someone and we get to go in Abbey Road, which is cool. We had no idea that we're going to, we're going to end up recording in Abbey Road, which we did. Right. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So volume one, the first album was recorded at Abbey Road Studios. We recorded it in Studio Three, where they recorded Dark Side of the Moon and albums like that. So that was, that was absolutely mad. That's and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was absolutely crazy. So all this stuff happened. Marshall agreed to do the album. And then when we found out it was Abbey Road, we're like, oh, shit, you know, we're like, we're like a really young band. We haven't done much like, of notoriety yet. We've done a few local shows, a couple of like local supports for like semi-big bands, but nothing huge at this point. And yeah, that was crazy. So we did the album, that was all finished. And it was like, well, yeah, we've got an album. Now what do we do with it? Hmm. And Marshall said, well, we, we had a bit of a plan. So um, they brought on another chap, Steve Tannett, and um, who's now the, uh, the boss of Marshall Records. And they said, yeah, we're going to form a label and you're going to be the first band signed to it. So they kind of, um, Marshall Records was created around us, which was that's really insane. bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. So that's a really like, cool, cool story that not everyone knows. But yeah, say, how did you get signed to Marshall Records? It was kind of, it's kind of, Built for us. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like and it turned into this thing. Yeah. So you, were, oh, that's because if Marshall Records continues, which you probably will, like you were yeah. down as the first ever band to sign to them. That's pretty legendary. Yeah, it should be legend. <laughs> yeah, it's on the website and everything. Yeah, yeah. There's a big blurb up about it, and they say how it starts from Dave being a young age since he was 13, having a relationship with Marshall. Then they put us in the studio. Then Marshall Records was born. So it's a really cool story, you know. So yeah. Fair play. Well, yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing it. Um, yeah, like you Not mentioned, problem. so volume one and to the bone, that's, they're the two albums so far. And then the new ones. Yeah, the two, to the bone is just a uh, acoustic EP. So it's kind oh, of like, right. it was, yeah, it's kind of not, a, not an actual album. So that's, okay. um, it, was, it was meant to bridge, regret, bridge the gap between both releases, but set the world on fire and you on uh it ended up taking quite a bit longer than we thought oh, okay. to get out. So yeah, so it didn't really bridge with capital. It's just no, just standard line. But yeah, it's all, it's all available if people want to check it out. And um, it's set the world on fire. It's being released on November the sixth. Is that correct? It is. Can you confirm yep. that? Um, you can pre-order that from your website. You've got yep. a special website, and you've got like special bundles and things like that. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. If you just go to kingcreature.com, 
it just links you right to it yeah yeah so if anyone wants to pre-order it and there's a few different kind of colored vinyls and stuff really cool stuff if anyone wants that is it gold vinyl yeah we're releasing it on gold vinyl which is uh pretty look, wild it so. did look really nice and the artwork looks nice and so yeah oh, cheers, bud. thank you so um i remember you telling us on tour about the writing and recording of that album um so do you mind talking about that and who you did it with yeah of course so um set the world on fire because i'm trying to remember when volume one was released now like 2016 17 i want to say so it's been quite a few years so yeah. a lot of these songs have been in the works for quite a number of years we've played a few live we played a few live on the tour we did together and um yeah but this time around we did it with um we did we managed to cut three track uh three tracks with a chap called mike exeter i don't know if you've heard of him he's he did the uh, Black Sabbath 13 album. He did the latest uh, couple of Judas Priest album and stuff. So, yeah, we got him on board to do three tracks. One called Demon Within, Falling Down in Desolation, which was really good. And the rest was done with our dear old friend called John Cornfield, who, who's been there since the start. We recorded the original EP with him. So the bone was recorded with him. And a little single we did called Breaking Down was done with him. Yeah. And he's been our live live sound engineer uh, when we can afford him <laughs> since the start. Since the since the start, so it was really good to finally do a proper album with him on board. And he's he's done the likes of you recorded like the definitely maybe album by Oasis. He recorded a lot of the early Muse stuff because he worked out of um. He was the chief engineer down at a studio called the Sawmills. Right, you heard of that? Yeah, a few yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we managed to um managed to get the bones of that recorded through January, February time. There was a bit of a gap between some of the stuff. So we recorded one track was done in our practice space. Actually it might come down. We kind of converted it into like a makeshift studio, which is really cool. Yeah. And then some the drums and bass for the rest were done in a studio called Airfield. And we literally cut it about two or three days before we went into lockdown. Oh, wow. Yeah, we managed to get the drums and bass done and a couple of guitar tracks. And of course, lockdown happened and we're like, oh, we need to finish this thing. But of course, we can't go into a studio or anything. Yeah. So we, we, ended, we ended up recording all the guitars remotely through all these remote desktop things. The lads did it all from home. So right, yeah, right. It, took quite a, it took quite a while to get together, but we finally managed to get it through. But that was a wild experience, yeah. Very clever then. I didn't realize that that's how they did that. Um, yeah. and it, it is amazing how you can kind of get those realistic amplifier sounds that way. Um, yeah. Recording remotely. I, I don't really understand how it all works myself, but it's pretty clever. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I do not understand it at all, but there's a lot of, I think they call it re-amping and re -amping, a lot of stuff, yeah. Going, yeah, yeah, lot of stuff like that going on. But yeah, that was a weird process because we were really pushing to get this album done in time because we were meant to be back out in Europe with uh, Doro straight away in yeah. February, March, I believe. And we thought, bloody hell, we better get this album nailed because we've got, we're not going to have any chance to do it this year because we've got such a busy year ahead. How we were wrong. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I know. I know. Yeah. But yeah, so we're gearing up for that. And then of course the dreaded lockdown happened and it squashed absolutely, well, pretty much every plan we had. So yeah. Ended up being no rush, but I'm glad we got it done. So, because we've now got a set in stone release date, people have been waiting for this album for a long time. So, 
that's one good thing to come out this year to know we can sleep easy at night now knowing it's finally done because we've been to, for the past couple of years we'd be saying oh it'll be this year oh yeah it'll be this year and yeah. it just never was but it finally is this year so we're really happy about that no nah, great and congratulations to finally get it out so i'm i know how that must feel for you so yeah um one thing you did do this summer you were one of the lucky bands that have actually played a show the, yes is a venue called the yard down yep. in cornwall is that correct and um how is that something your your manager kind of runs or did he start yeah. or did he, something to do with it basically the yard is day by day it's a working like waste management yard it's owned by our manager jules but it's this massive great open space so we were talking before lockdown like oh you could do a gig here. it'd be great because he's got um like a topsoil shed but it's like got this massive domed structure over it and it's like fucking looks like a stage that it's perfect <laughs> so there's always a few few jokes like that happening and yeah one day jules come to practice because of course when lockdown used to we started practicing again because our practice space is quite big so you could do all the social distancing thing there wasn't a problem and he popped in one day said we're gonna do a gig boys he said it's about time we've got to do something because we because a lot of bands were doing the um you know, like the live streaming through lockdown. Like we never did any of that, like the acoustic thing, because we're like, we wouldn't have made it any good. It wasn't really what we're about. It was like, right, a lot of restrictions were dropping. Pubs were open again. He had this idea and he said, there's no reason we can't play a show if we do it properly. So we basically, in the yard, we had this massive like chessboard set up. So, um, it was all white painted lines, two meter by two meter squares, all separated by two meter by two meter squares. So we worked out we could get 200 people in, in groups of four in their social bubbles. Yeah. So we managed to get all that together. And yeah, um, when Jules announced it went live, it sold out in seven minutes, 200 people. <laughs> but, but we're like, because we're like, Basically, this gig was probably even safer than going to your supermarket because you know that can be at the, at the moment. It's it's a bit of a free for all. Everyone's going crazy. No one's abiding mm. by any rules. Yeah. So we we made sure to have everything official in place. There was security there. We got the okay by the local council. Like everything was done by the book. So it was done properly. So when some people say, "Oh, should you really be doing that?" It's like, well this has been done properly and it proved to be a massive success for us you know it was really good we ended up getting professionally recorded which is going to come out next week but by the time this is out it will probably already be out for oh cool yeah yeah check so, that yeah. out yeah it's all professionally done i've seen some clips and it, yeah, it looks mega so it's all properly recorded so. is in vid video as well or just audio vid vid video as well oh, yeah cool yeah so it's going to be a bit of a mini documentary before and like us setting up the show and stuff and it turned out to be this amazing thing it really kick-started Cornwall back up a bit because we had absolutely nothing I know there's a couple of social distancing shows around the UK happening like inside seated but we're like I don't know it's not really it's not really for us you know you can get like 20 people in a bar at tables you don't really get the vibe but of course like this was all standing you're not penned in mm. if you're in your social bubbles you can they can stand up and have a have a good go at it, you know, and have a good time. So it, without, yeah, there was a few gaps in the crowd, but it did have the, um, had a good atmosphere about it. Everyone enjoyed it. 
there's minimal trouble. I think one person got kicked out because they started getting a bit, getting a bit uh, too excited, you know. But um, right. out of 200 people, everyone's had a few beers. That wasn't too bad, you know. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ended up ended up being a really big success, and uh, we're going to do some more. Other bands are going to be down soon, I think. So oh, nice. Yeah. I was going to ask, is it going to continue to do more? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Like, because of course, with this, we had to hire in fencing staging security lights pa everything had to be bought in because yeah, we uh we built ourselves but it somehow it kind of it, it broke even and especially when we set up it was 25 pound a head but you get uh you had a king creature face mask and a t-shirt which is kind of your money's worth there yeah. already oh, to be honest it's great yeah, yeah so so if we could do it with that and make it work there's no reason going for viable option to do while well, it's COVID things on. And when the COVID uh, restrictions are off completely, we can know the plan is to open it up to like a, to bigger crowds. Cause this, I think this place could have a capacity of about 2000, you know, so it could be a really cool thing. So I'm thinking yard fest 2001. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be happening, man. Something like that. It's going yeah. to happen. That's yeah. Like, it does sound cool. Yeah. So if you could yeah. open it up to that many people, that'd be fantastic. So, what is the metal scene like in Cornwall in general? It, it doesn't strike me as being like a, a kind of heavy metal region of the country, but then no, I don't get to go there um, that much. So I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's quite small. You know, there's a few bands kicking about. Like, um, as you know, bands come and go. But like a few years ago, it used to be a bit stronger than it is now. There used to be a lot more underground bands. But then again, there was a lot more places to play. Like, sadly, over the years, many of like the local, like, clubs and all that they've all closed down but it's got quite a healthy scene like around the Sinostal area where we used to play there's quite a lot of rock bands you go out on the scene all the shows are really well attended around our area you know if like a small band you never heard of they could play like the local club 200 people and it would sell out you know there's a lot lot of dedicated fans and a bit further into Cornwall place called Falmouth there's like a real underground DIY punk scene which is really cool because there's a uni- university down there yeah yeah so there's yeah, a, a lot going on but um it's not massive but then again Cornwall isn't massive so but no it's a healthy scene but it's full of people uh, really hungry for live music but of course um on the normal touring circuit for bands it's not really a destination it's awkward because it's geographical it doesn't like work out very well with routing does it I guess no and this i guess no, like you said there's limited venues of certain sizes so it must be tricky for agents to come yeah i think the furthest like the closest bands come to is like plymouth as you guys come there but even yeah. plymouth now i don't think there's really any suitable venues so hopefully next year going on with the yard it might help to put cormel on the circuit a bit more cause, yeah well because i think jules's plan is to put it um it's put it on the touring circuit as an option for bands, you know, so. Can, can it hopefully be, it, is there like some form of indoor option or covered option or is it only going to be outdoor? That's the problem with, I was thinking Co- seasonal, how would it work? Yeah, it's, it's currently open air. So it could be like a more of a summer thing. Yeah. But um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. You know, there's, there's a lot of options there. Yeah. It's nice. still to be figured out, but yeah, it's kind of pray for the weather, but. We were thinking that, we were thinking, oh God, with this gig, like the worst thing that could happen if it rains, it's going to be awful. But then we thought, I don't know, people stand in the rain at download and don't care, do they? You know, Exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think people are so hungry for live music, it could have been a 
could have been anything. It could have been a blizzard out there. People were going to go for it, you know, because people were so excited for it. So, yeah. No, good. It's exciting, man. And it's good that you're finding ways around, well, not finding ways around the rules. You're literally adhering to the rules and making yeah. live music happen. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was really important to do it by the book, you know, because... Yeah. Because yeah. did you get so did you say you had a lot of negative kind of comments about it? Like we we had a few. There's a lot of people. With, there's a lot of questions around yeah. it. You know, saying, "Oh, should you be doing this? Is it safe?" And because of all the distancing in place, you're in your bubbles. You're so distanced from the next group of people. It was literally safer than going to Tesco's to buy yeah. the bread. You know, because uh, you're going to go come in to less contact with people. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Cause I, obviously, I do. I do my food shopping every week, or maybe once or sometimes twice. I try and keep it to once. But then, there's obviously some people that are, are playing it safe, and there's some people who literally don't care, and they yeah. just come next to you. And, and like, I've I've never had the guts to kind of tell anyone to bugger off. But um, certain people, I'm like, they obviously don't care, or they don't think it's real. And I think that, unfortunately, there's a lot of the community that don't even believe that it exists. So, yeah, I think whatever your views on it, you know, I think yeah. you've got to, you've just got to, got you've got to do your bit and just yeah. play by the rules, no matter what you think. Like, yeah, yeah, like I'm sure we've all got different thoughts on it. Like, if you yeah. believe everything or not, but it's like you just got to roll with it, you know. And especially when staff are telling you to do this, like these people are getting so much grief, and I feel so sorry for a lot of people, you know. It's yeah. like. Just, just put your mask on. Just, just, just go with it for a minute. You know, it's all we can do. Yeah, just, just in case. Yeah. You know, regardless yeah. of what your views are. Yeah. No, oh, nice man. So, um, looking back at your kind of drumming career, I'll call it a career. Yeah. Um, what, what's your most memorable or proudest moment so far? Well, of course, it's the one thing that always gets brought up in every interview and it's still been our biggest achievement since 2015. Of course, it was, as you know, probably probably our first big show, of course, which you know was with Motorhead. Yeah, yeah. That was like the biggest thing ever for us because it's no secret since I was nine years old, Motorhead have been my favourite band ever. So when we got the okay to do that show, I was like, We'd never done anything of note before then. So it was like, oh my God, this is real. Like, so that, yeah. was, that was definitely, yeah, getting on that stage, you know, playing in front of, because it was a home crowd, it was like the evening sessions in Cornwall. So we're all local, so like all the families are out. You could look in the crowd, I knew half the crowd just from around anyway. So it was, that so was cool. uh, probably the, the most surreal moment ever. Yeah. Did you have to like apply to get the slot or how did, how did it work? Is it someone you knew, you knew or? Um, basically when the gig was announced, it was a two band bill. It was the Motorhead and the Stranglers. And yeah. then I remember that being announced because I was like, fuck, I've just got to go anyway. Cause that's going to be, it's going to be wicked, you know? Yeah. So I bought, bought my ticket as soon as it announced. And then I think it was Matt and Dave were saying like, oh, I could be cool to play it. And I was like, well, it's not going to happen boys, is it? So, you know, it's just like, yeah, it would be cool. It'd be great, wouldn't it? But um, I didn't really think much more of it. Then next minute, they were emailing Eden Sessions. They found out who the um, like their agent or promoter is down there, and they uh, they emailed him. They said, "Yeah, sorry, boys. It's um, it's it is what it is. It's two band bill. It's those two. I'm like, oh, no worries. And then they wrote to Marshall, I think, ah, right. and they said, oh. 
and they they had a word with someone. I don't know who exactly it was because I don't think they went to Motorhead's management at all. I don't know who it was, but all of a sudden, in in the space of a week and a half, we had a message from the uh, the guy down at Eden saying, "You're on, boys. You're on. That's amazing. You're on." And we're like, "What? So was it, what do you mean, we're on?" Yeah. So was was that show the first time you met my dad? Because I know you kind of no. No, the first time I met your dad was outside of you guys were playing a show. It was the All Stars at the time. Oh right, okay. It was that show, show in uh, Plymouth in the Junction. Oh yeah, that was it. So, so what? It was so I had nothing to do with that really. No, because no, right, okay. I was in contact with your dad before this gig happened. I, I used to flick him an email here and there. We used to catch up and just stay in yeah. contact a bit. But you know, how it is with a gig like that. I didn't really want to bother him with a question like that. I think yeah. the worst thing in it is being a guy in a band. It's like when someone goes, uh, "Oh, can I can I be on your bill? Can I get on your gig?" It's like oh, I, I wasn't comfortable with asking that question. I thought it's fair enough. Well, no, we haven't got the name yet. It's not like um, I didn't think it'd be like a, an option to do that. So no, but yeah, but I was really yeah. But, um, your dad was like when I met him, it was, was super cool. We just kind of hit it off. Cool. Immediately, you know, he gave me his phone number and email. I said, "I'll oh, stay in touch. Any motor gig you want to come to, just give me a give me a text or whatever, and I'll stick you on the list." So that was really cool. You still bought a ticket? <laughs> oh, I did. Well, yeah, because when he said that, I was like, "Oh, I don't even know." I know you. Bother him with that. I know you. you know, mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was it was cool enough. Like when when it's someone you respect, you don't want to um don't push your luck, do you? Even, yeah. Even though it would have been fine. Yeah, I think he, he was you know, he was genuine. He's always been very generous with stuff like that. So you, you must have yeah, meant absolutely. it. But I can understand if you didn't feel comfortable asking. Um, no, that's nice. Um, I was going to ask about Doro. You you already supported Doro last year, right? Yeah, basically, well, as soon as we finished the tour with you guys, we got on the ferry the next day, and then the day after, we did our first show in Luxembourg. Yeah, so... The, both of those tours just kind of just went into one into the other for us. So yeah, what was it, what was it like? What, what was she like? What was the band like? What was the crowd Mate, like? They, 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 they're really cool. This was our first time touring Germany. We did one show in Germany before we did the uh, the Metal Hammer Awards out in Germany. Yeah, that's course, where my like, my brothers went, didn't they? I didn't go because yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Did we, did we, yes. Is that the one we won an award, or was that a different one? You did, yeah, because... Um, so I decided not to go. <laughs> remember catching up with your dad and Todd and Tyler were there, and that's where, that's where your dad actually offered us to go out on the road with them. Right. He said, oh, cool. you, you, you boys should come out on the road with us, and then they said they had a support for that tour already, but they said the following year, because nice. you had Leader Adam go out of you, yeah. Yeah, that's that it, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. They said, um, we got one in mind, but yeah, come out on tour. So that was really cool. That was a cool meeting. But yeah, back to the um, Doro. Sorry, but yeah, they were a really cool band. Our first time tour in Germany. And you know, as soon as you go over the water into Europe, the hospitality is like, just so much better. I know. <laughs> Sorry to say it, UK. And it's just like, I mean, it's like, it's so nice to actually be wanted. You know, yeah. you, you turn up there, you've got a dressing room. It's just full of stuff. You got a beer fridge that you can't even dream of emptying because it's so stark. Even One you guys as well. And, what even you guys yeah. can't empty? Wow. Oh, uh, trust <laughs> me, we tried. You tried. We tried. <laughs> yeah, we did our best. Yeah. Uh, I think we might might have managed it once or twice when there was a day off the next day, but um, 
Yeah, but they just look after you so well. And the crowds out there were, we're playing to like 2,000 people a night out there. Wow. And everyone was so accommodating. And that was really, it was an eye-opener of like, oh, this is how they do it out here, is it? Because we're mm. just used to the UK where you're lucky, you're lucky to get a bottle of water and a sandwich thrown at you, you know? But no, I, I totally know. I totally agree. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand why it's so different. Someone did mention that certain countries have funding, like government funding to kind of pay for live music and stuff. So maybe the promoters, yeah. the promoters are less using their own pockets. So there is more budget for all those kind of luxuries. And Yeah, they just, they just seem to just absolutely live for it out there, don't they? It's yeah. not like, because when you come to some gigs in the UK, especially, you've you kind of get that unwanted feeling where you're just a bit of a pain in the ass for them. It's not like... Definitely, yeah. But as soon as you go there, you're greeted with like, oh, would you like to eat before you do soundtrack? It's like, no, no, it's too much food. This and that. <laughs> it's just too much. But yeah, I just really appreciate all their hospitality. Yeah. yeah it's, and, and you probably noticed it as well. Like the, your merch sales out there just go through the roof, especially physical product like CD and vinyl. Like, yeah. We, we, sold, we sold out of all our CDs and vinyl out there like really quickly, you know, we should, we should have bought a lot more with us. You know, for next time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, that was another learning curve, but it was such a pleasant surprise to see that physical product is still really strong out there. Yeah. In this this digital world. And I think, uh, obviously it depends what countries you go into. You just got to think that, you know, the, the economy is better in some of those countries and yeah, people, people's like minimum wages compared to ours in the UK can get them a lot further. So sure, they, you know, they're yeah. going to afford to buy CDs and, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone in the UK is poor. Obviously that's not correct, but, no. <laughs> but people's money goes further in some of those countries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you mentioned Luxembourg. Um, I've never, I've never played this. So I don't know what that's like, but um, like when we do Germany, it seems like, you know, we, we, we'll sell like a signed CD for like 15 euro, which I think is pushing it. And they're like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. And um, yeah, I, I rem- too. Yeah. And I remember being in, in Switzerland where I know they obviously their own currency in relation to ours, um, like their minimum wage, apparently the last time I checked was the equivalent of like 16 pounds. Christ. So, so we, double what we earn. Yeah. So like, so we were selling signed, they were EPs. So we were selling signed EPs for like 10 francs and people were like, why so cheap? Why is it, why so cheap? And we were like, well, that's how much we were charged from in our country. You know, we, we were trying to get yeah. 10, 10, like we thought 10 quid is expensive. Um, and they couldn't believe how cheap it was because then I, then I, then I found out, oh, cause it took them about 20 minutes to earn that money <laughs> or whatever, do you know? Yeah, you know pretty I mean? much. Yeah. Cause we, we, we hit, we hit Switzerland on that, um, yeah, Doro tour as well. We ended up playing Zurich, and did that do well for you on merch? Uh, we didn't take any. Oh, because of the yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, with Doro, they had a separate truck that takes their own merch around because they got so much stock. Yeah, they said they said we're not even going to bother because of like because because they got so much stock just to get it into Switzerland. As you know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a a night- it's, it's an absolute nightmare. You've got to pay the money up front. You've got to yeah. pay all the tax up front on your way in. So you've got to count all of your stock, make sure it's correct. I don't really, I think it's, 
it's a it's a nightmare. It literally gives me so much anxiety when we're when on tour. Yeah, it's horrible. Because so I'm one of the guys that has to try and sort it out. And um, yeah, you've got to you've got to make sure you've got enough money on your card to pay for it all up front. And then on the way back, yeah. whatever you whatever you didn't sell, they refund you for. I know it's just it's, it's just so a pain. hard. So yeah, we just unloaded our merch into their merch truck and didn't bother taking any. We literally went and played the gig and got out because yeah. it was only one show. We thought for all the hassle. Yeah, fair enough. You might, you know, you may, it, you may yeah. have made a few, you know, a few hundred pound or something, but it could have backed. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of paperwork and stuff involved. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and we're, we're 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 pushing it on time as well, getting into there, and it was like, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> and they weren't selling much either. So yeah, I yeah, guess Rob, but. Fair enough. No, well, that's good. Did you um, did you chat to their drummer much, Johnny? Yeah, Johnny D. Yeah, we ended up really hitting it off. He, um, that was one good thing to come out of Switzerland. Um, I ended up meeting um, I can't remember his name. Now. Oh yeah, Christian from Peisty and all that. We ended up having a good uh. Oh, Christian Wenzel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to approach him, but I'm, I'm yet yet to do that. I was about to do it, but then all this Corona uh. stuff kicked off. So I thought, ah, it's probably not the right time. I'll wait till I've got. Yeah, wait till you got some shows. Tours, yeah. Got some tours coming up, and then there's a proper need for it, you know. So nice. yeah, that was really cool. So I ended up hitting it off with Johnny. We um, yeah, a lot of drum chat, checking out each other's gear as you do, just nerding off all the time. But yeah, he was super mm. cool, dude. Great drummer as well, you know. It was good to watch him every night. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good part about being a support act on a tour. You you learn so much by just watching the other drummers on like the headline acts and all that. So that was, that was really cool. Apart from yeah. if you're supporting me. No, not at all, man. <laughs> now, you're, now you're killing it every night, man. It's oh, great. Yeah. It, was, it was better before the, the accident, if you remember what I mean. Oh, mate, I was going to say, that's, that's another thing I learned before. <laughs> uh, be very aware of your surroundings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that, was, that was crazy, yeah. I yeah. think we were, we were both um, we were a bit worried for you at one point. And right, I, I, think we all, I, think, I think we all thought all, the tour's over. <laughs> No, it was, it, you know, we could have, we could have, you know, the initial moment, the, the, the maybe the, the following hour, it was a bit questionable, but then I was just like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm in pain. Yeah, power through. I'm going to power through. And it, I wasn't like the whole tour. I was in agony every show, but I just thought it's just, I just got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd be letting too, I'd be letting too many people down. Um, by not doing it, so I thought I can get through it, and it was just a shame because I couldn't really enjoy myself as much then. Yeah. On, on the rest of the shows as I normally do. Um, what damage yeah. did you end up doing? Was it just was it a lot of bruising? Did you? It say? was yeah, or... I, I pretty serious bruising on the ribs. I didn't break anything, which was good. Cause the following morning, I think we were in Not- Nottingham, and me and Todd got a taxi to the local hospital just to check. Because you know, I woke up in so much pain. And yeah, just to check, there was there was no nothing broke, but they said yeah, it was bruising. I still got a big scar on my arm because my my kind of I don't know if you remember my forearm. I kind of cut yeah. that open. And it was a big bit of a. They kind of um, sealed that up for me as well, which was nice because that was a bit of a w- wound. But they sealed yeah. that up for me. Um, but it was it was every time I hit that snare, it was just a, obviously a big stinging kind of yeah. pain every hit. I was like, oh. but I just got through it, and it's a shame because. We played lo- to loads of amazing crowds, you know, fairly, I guess, fairly full cr- um, venues, but I just couldn't, 
I couldn't put my all into it. I tried, but I put, I did put my all into it, but it would, it would have been better if I wasn't injured. Oh mate, you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have known. No, I don't know. No, thanks man. Cheers. So, um, is it, have you got anything booked or penciled in for next year? Like gig wise, or is it still up in the air or? Um, yeah, cause certainly we were, we're about to head on tour with Orange Goblin in December, of course, but that's oh, yeah, now yeah, yeah. been rescheduled for next December. Cool. That's cool that that's carrying on, but I don't know. There's a lot, just a lot of uncertainty over next year as well. Of course. You know? so yeah. We've got a couple, a couple of festivals. We had a lot of stuff like near enough confirmed for this year that never got announced, you know, a, mm. lot, of, a lot of cool support tours and stuff. So I don't know. We're just playing it by air at the minute, waiting for stuff to come in. So the calendar isn't looking too full at the minute just because of the uncertainty, you know? Totally. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like we, we, we managed to reschedule most of our stuff for next year, but then no one really yeah. knows if, if they're going to go ahead yet, but I'm trying to stay positive and, and keep my fingers crossed that the world will start healing a little bit and things will go ahead. Yeah. It's, I don't it's know. crazy. Cause like, I don't, I don't think this uh, thing's ever going to go away. Is it? I think no. we just, hopefully we get some, like learn to live with it a bit if it gets suppressed i don't know not not a scientist i don't really know no just, exactly just keeping my fingers crossed that yeah there's a way we can kind of hopefully get back to normal in the not so distant future hopefully you know because uh yeah it's just been because it's not been a massive financial impact on the band because it's never the band's never been our jobs but i know for people like yourself yeah You've been full time for a couple of years now, haven't you? With the band, yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been, and it's, it's been, it's been harder on people like yourselves, I suppose. I bet your dad's never had so much time off. No, exactly. Yeah, he's never, he's never. I bet he's, he can't I bet go he's anywhere. Been at home this long. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, I think he's getting a little bit fed up, because um, I guess you know being in the band was keeping him busy and keeping him, you know, he can concentrate on simming and. I guess we've had the album to do, which was a nice yeah. distraction for a while. But, you know, we finished that months ago now. So I guess yeah. he's, doing, he's doing plenty of interviews at the moment, actually. So they're keeping him busy. I bet um, he's loving it. <laughs> he's not loving it at all. But he, no, he, has, to, no. <laughs> he, has, to, he has to do it. He has to do I know. it. It's not his favorite thing, is it? It's not his favorite thing at all, I know. But uh, no, that's cool, man. Um, but yeah, I know we've all had to pick up day, the day job now, haven't we? Like, I know you said you've uh, had to pick up some more work now. Yeah, I've been doing something. Other things. I, I can't say I'm particularly enjoying, but uh, it helps. It's just a helps pay the bills. Yeah, like <laughs> likewise, man. I had to get another job. Just, I'm grateful to have some income, but it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, not it's not what I want to be doing. Yeah, I want to get back to business next year. Yeah, it's, it's weird once you've experienced being a like. I guess you said you were you, you were never professional, but um. Once you've experienced being a professional musician, going back to not it's even harder. Yeah, it is. It's harder because I used, to, you know, I used to have a day job before, and that was just part of my life, and that was it. And then I got lucky and we did the band, and now going back, it's just like, oh. I guess if you're doing something relatively enjoyable and getting paid for it, that might be quite nice. But uh, my my yeah. job isn't enjoyable. <laughs> but uh, let's not talk about that. Um, let's talk about about. Your drum gear and what you're using at the moment. So you said about the Natal I'd kit. Say, yeah, I've been I've been using Natal for a number of years now. Like they originally sent me like a, a small small setup, you know, uh, one racked on one floor, one kick drum. So I used that kind of setup for years, and then 
just before we did volume one, they said, what do you really want to play? And then I just said, well, what we really want is the list like that. Because um, I was never keen on using like a double kick kit, but the boys said, oh, look awesome though, wouldn't it? Look awesome. I was like, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Let's, let's get some older ones, see what they say. Yeah, they made me one. So that was really cool. And I've been using that for years and it's still going. I don't know how after I had a kick drum roll out of a trailer at 70 miles an hour down a dual carriageway a couple of years ago. Really? Oh, no. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't kill anyone. Oh, my God. But we managed to get that back. It's a bit, so it looks a bit tired, but it still sounds great. So Is it still run? As long as it's still run. Drum. Yeah, it's still run. The bass drum hoops are completely destroyed, though. They completely snapped. Yeah. So luckily, Natal sent me some more then. Cool. But now we've kept that going. So I've been using the towel for years now. I've used, the, I've used Peisty cymbals like unofficially ever since I started playing drums. Like yeah. My first drum kit, I bought a set of Peisty cymbals and I don't think you can get any better. So I've stuck with them. And endorsement or not, that's who I'm going to be with, you know, because yeah, I love them. I love the reality. Hopefully you can uh, get on the roster. Yeah, then. sure. Yeah, sure. So it's, not, it's not really the be all end all for me. Like, because with Feisty, you're lucky. I, I don't break a lot of cymbals, you know. I break one now and again, as you do, you know, because yeah. through, like, long tours, like, your stuff will undeniably get a bit worn out now and again. But Yeah. And you're but no, pretty, like, pretty hard hitter as well, man. So you're going yeah, to break, yeah. break eventually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But they, um, they last a lot longer than some other companies I've used intermittently, yeah. you know. Tell me so I've always, got, I've always gone for them. I've been endorsed by Head Drumsticks for quite a few years now, and they've been great. Because with them, I buy about four pairs a year. Really? That's interesting. That do me the Yeah, because eventually they do break under just the stress of just, because everything I do is like pretty much constant rim shots in all the heavy songs. So yeah. now and again, like they will break. But yeah, I normally, I buy four pairs a year just because I lose a couple. So I only normally break about three sticks a year that's amazing it's not a lot no not a lot so people say oh they're really expensive but with the endorsement they're half price anyway and the amount of use you get out of them it's a really cost effective way of me and they feel great you know i'm so used to them it's really weird playing with wood drumsticks again like i picked up a pair the other day it's like oh it's really bizarre it's really weird it's a completely different feel but yeah yeah no they're really cool you know so i've stuck it stuck out with them for quite a while now uh been using Evans drum ads for years. I've just found them to be quite reliable, really consistent. Yeah. I like them and yeah. That's nice. about that's the bones of it, yeah. Nice, nice, no, good man. Well hopefully, you know, you you can get a symbol deal someday. I think as soon as you get you know, you get more gigs and you'll have the new album out and you'll have press, presumably. Just yeah. send them send them a pack and Yeah, Christian Christian said they'll hook me up at some point. I just got um nice. I just didn't think it was worth doing now, to be honest. You yeah. Know, so I, I was waiting on back out on the road. And Definitely. Got, I've got a, a need for it. Awesome, man. Yeah. Um, do you, I should really know, but do you have any specific warm-up techniques before you um, go out? No, I really should. It varies from show to show. Sometimes I'll grab my sticks and, and sort of some warm-ups on the back of the chair. But to be honest, I forget all the time and I'm so bloody lazy. I just jump on the stage and go for it most of yeah. the time, to be honest, which I, which I shouldn't do really because I find if I do at least a 20 minute, just warm up, just get, get the blood flowing, 
I do play a lot better. I feel like the first couple of songs, everything just feels, it feels like you're just like, you've been playing the show for ages. Yeah. Since that's... you start, you know, but um, yeah, so I should do it more. But yeah, I'm pretty undisciplined in that way. Yeah, what about yourself? Do you do much? Um, I've started to the last few years, but I, I, I haven't really had any specific routines. I definitely stretch. That's a big thing for me. I, I, I stretch a lot of my hands, my fingers, my forearms, kind of I rotate my shoulders and my neck. I stretch a lot, kind of in yeah. eight directions if I can, because I, you know, I'm like this all the time. And if, if I sure. don't stretch, I wake up the next morning in agony because I forgot to stretch. And it all depends yeah. on, the, on the type of gig and the changeover. Um, obviously, luckily, when I do headline shows, I've normally got a tech that can kind of do most of that for me, which is amazing because that's, sure. that's, a, that's a recent thing. Um, I've been doing it myself for the rest of my life, really. Um, and it doesn't really allow you that little slot. But um, I don't know if you listened to my podcast uh, before um but a few people have said even if you've got a changeover you warm up before the changeover yeah so then yeah. You're, you're kind of warmed up a little bit and then if you've got another five minutes to do a little bit a little bit of warming up just before you go on and play the set that's still better than not doing anything so yeah i, I really i really do notice the difference when i do warm yeah up. so i should i should I, I just need to stick my pad in my bag and yeah go for it really. like like i take yeah. a pad with me and i like like i said i'm not i'm not a very trained drummer like i don't know all my rudiments and things like that so like no i when people speak in technical terms to me it's like yeah what i know i want i want yeah, to go you, back you, you kind of just do you do your thing don't yeah. you yeah well do. i did i did i'll send you a video i did see um actually one of my friends from school carl richards hello carl if you're listening or watching he did send me some cool videos that are just on YouTube. I can't remember the guy's name, but really simple warm-up videos where you're just playing singles and then you go like single, double, double, yeah. double, double. And then, but you do it for like eight minutes and it really warms up like your forearm muscles and it's quite easy to remember. As in sure. you, you don't really need to be playing along yeah. to it. So I'll send you that because it's quite useful. Um, oh, cool, I, I, yeah. you know, I had a few goes on my electric kit the other day and it did, it did feel really nice. So that might be a start anyway. Absolutely. And, um, but yeah, stretching, I think, is really important. Yeah, like you're a lot younger than me, right? You're in your 20s still. Yeah, so I can, I can just about get away with it, yeah. but not for much longer, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and a bit of advice. I do, get, I do get the eggs in the morning for sure now. Yeah, you know? yeah I know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah, like some of the advice we had off um, Mark, Rich, Mark Richardson from Skunk and Nancy, who is like now 50, he says look after your body when you're younger because when you get older things start hurting and breaking and so you, you should really look after yourself now so mark Richardson as well what he's an absolute animal exactly drummer. well like, i asked i i asked him if you had any advice um for hard-hitting drummers like yourself and he, his advice was don't do it because he's paying the price he's don't paying he's paying the price now he said so yeah. Um, so yeah if anyone um is listening to this go back and listen to the mark Richardson episode because he was really cool and he had some really good advice actually some stories but yeah um you've kind of mentioned a few but who who are your favorite drummers of all time and why um of course like the one who got the ball rolling for me was kind of in the early days was Stephen Adler yeah. and then 
ever since, because my first ever gig I went to, I was about like nine or ten, was uh, was Motorhead show actually. Nice. My mum took my mum. I got home from school. My mum said, "Oh, we're going out in a second. I was like, "Oh, what for?" She showed me a Motorhead ticket. Said, oh, "I'm going to take you to see Motorhead." Right. She knew actually. I loved them because I'm oh, going a bit off topic. You know, um, you know, you get those really shit, um, um, like unofficial best of CDs. I know, yeah. So my my second ever one was like a really dodgy Motorhead best of. There are lo- loads of those, aren't there? There's loads of unofficial. There's so ones. many. Yeah. yeah, so many. So another influence because like the, what really got it going for me is when I first heard Overkill, of course, where you just hear just constant double kick. Yeah. Grind it. I was like, fuck. Guns and Roses was cool, but this is like, this is next level. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, um, so Filthy Animal Taylor, of course, back in the day, of course, Mickey D, I mean, that guy's just a fucking, I don't know, he's mega, yeah, yeah, yeah. just the power, just power and precision is his thing, isn't it, you know, I don't know how he does a whole show without, like, dying afterwards, you know, he's just a ball of energy. I know, I've always, I've always yeah. wondered that, obviously, I've been watching him since I was a kid as well, and um, yeah. how he keeps it going, does that solo in the middle, and then keeps going it's amazing yeah he doesn't have a break all night does no. he you know so amazing and he's just constantly got his head banging you know i always he's he blows my mind to this day you know he's like i don't know how he does yeah. it yeah it's great um another good one is a drummer called russell gilbrick he plays in your right right yeah yeah you heard, you heard about him recently yeah he's like an absolute animal he's like one of the hardest hitters i've ever seen but he's got He's like a quite a big, like a big clinician and stuff. So he's very, uh, he's, he knows what he's talking about or technical terms or that, which I don't understand. Okay. But I don't know, just the power in his the power in his playing and just the way he plays. Like he's always been a, a big influence for me. He's always had a really cool style. I like. But yeah, that's that's a kind of a few, you know. Did you um? I noticed you shared something yesterday about Phil Rudd. Are you are you a yes. Phil Rudd fan as well? I'm absolutely a massive Phil Rubb fan. For me, he's uh, the epitome of rock drumming, yeah, yeah. you know, because he's it's just like he's got the strongest backbeat in the game. He never drops tempo, which I think is like, although ACDC, you know, you know what Phil is going to be playing. It's just the four to the floor rock beat throughout the whole thing. But he does what every good drummer does. You know, he keeps the time solid as a rock and every hit is consistent. It's what was a big learning curve for me when I um, first went into the studio. I could, I could play drums like pretty good to a level. I could play some technical things, but when I hit, went back into the control room, John uh, Cornfield, he said, "Your dynamics are a bit off. Like you're not really, you're not really like nailing it in a way. Like saying like your kick drums are a bit inconsistent. Where it's all in time." Yeah. But kick drums are not all at the same level. Snares are not all at the same level. So that was a big lesson for me and a bit of a tip for anyone going into the studio. It's almost better to strip it back and simplify it and nail it rather than try and be all flashy and just, you know, not have it sit properly. Because I think that's the most important thing about rock and metal drumming is just consistency and the power of your kicks and your snares, you know, keeping that rolling because when you you're not aware of it aware of it when you're a younger drummer you just think oh i can play this because you technically are playing it you're playing all the notes everything's in the right place but you're lacking like the power and the placement of the beat so and i think that's what uh 
Phil Rudd just does so perfectly, you know. Yeah, man. He's just a, a absolute fucking machine. Yeah, love that guy. Great job. He's definitely one of my inspirations, especially kind of the name of this podcast, obviously, Drum for the Song. It's like, yeah. I don't think he's, you know, I, I haven't even heard every ACDC album that he's ever done. This is quite a lot to go back and listen to, but ACDC yeah. was like the first CD I ever bought back in black. Um, and another CD, which was irrelevant, but, um, yeah, he's, I've never, I've never heard him try and show off his own skills. It's just like, no. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the beat down. I'll put the pushes where the pushes need to be. I might do it, might yeah. do a little fill. I don't do many fills. Um, yeah. but you know, he's just playing for that band and they're the biggest band in the world. Um, he does what he does and he absolutely nails it every yeah. time. So it's like. Absolutely perfect in my eyes. Yeah. So um, yeah, look, look, look forward to. Well, hopefully, if they tour again, it sounds like they're doing another album or something. Um, be great to see him live again. Because uh, I, sure I saw him once at that download when they brought their own stage, and um, oh yeah, let's say I'd had a few drinks, and I was with my friends, and the crowd was so mental I lost my friends. So I, I watched the whole second of on my own because I couldn't see what anyone was, and I was just in amongst all these random people. And it was a great experience, but I would also like to see him in a different, you know, in a in a different way where I get to concentrate more on the band and appreciate the band a little bit more. Um, sure, I think I would, I would, I would, I would love that if they did something again. It'd be great. Sure, so, fingers crossed. Many ACDC fans out there. Um, apart from drumming, do you have many other hobbies, especially now when we're not gigging so much? Is there anything else you like doing? Apart from drinking um, beer and cider, cider. <laughs> what do you drink down there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, just a lot of beer drinking. And to be honest, like music is is my kind of life. It's what I do. I don't really. I'm not into like games or anything like yeah. that. Or I watch a bit of TV now and again. But there's nothing else I've got big passion Fair for. Enough. You know. So it's kind of it is it is is my thing. So it's, yeah, it's really it's a really important thing to okay, me. Good. Well, sure. And it's a bit. It's, it was frustrating during frustrating during lockdown. Of course, I, I don't have a drum get at home anymore because we've got our own practice space. Mm. So I'd like fucking months of just not doing anything. I was just like, yeah, just yeah, just it was quite. That was probably the most frustrating thing. It was just it wasn't the not gigging. It was like just the not playing. Not playing you know? Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm lucky. I've got at least I, I've at least got an electric kit at home. Yeah, which isn't as satisfying to play. There's a real kit, but it's an option. It's something. Yeah. It's something, isn't it? You know. Yeah. When I when I talk yeah. to people who don't have that option, I feel really grateful to actually have that. So I need to. Yeah. I need to be grateful that I can have that option and utilize it more. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. Like even when we're not gigging now, like we we do practice every week. Oh, so that's cool. We've got got so we've got enough change. So I don't know how often you guys practice or not. If you just practice before tours or. Uh, I don't know, or I never. Our, our last <laughs> practice was probably in February. Yeah. Obviously, when we were writing for the album. Um, and that wasn't even the full band, because Neil wasn't there. So, yeah, we haven't done anything probably since before the tour with you, like rehearsal-wise. Because yeah. then we did a German tour, I think, didn't we, after? Which we probably didn't rehearse for, because it was not long after the British tour. Yeah, so we... Just, yeah, we need to do something, man. It's just man. weird, yeah. isn't it? Like, it's just been... Although this is it's weird that we're so far into the year now and just kind of done nothing. The only, the only bizarre. The right? only the only single gig I've done this year 
was I was depping uh, from my friend. He's in a band called Sweet Ignitions. And he, he does right. a lot of uh, like kind of wedding gigs and function gigs as well. And he, had, he double booked himself. And uh, it was January and he put a thing out on his Facebook saying, oh, I need, I need a drum dep for a 30-minute set in Cardiff. And I was like, I'm going to put myself out there to do stuff like this because yeah. I'm like, when I'm not busy with a band, like at the time I wasn't working, I had time to do stuff like that. So I thought I'll do it. Um, I spent hours learning the songs. It was all the songs I'd never really heard before. Only six, like six or seven tracks. Um, sure. But I spent hours and hours learning the songs, practicing them on my electric kit, which was nice to have that option. And then we did one rehearsal on the day of the gig and then I played the show and that was it. But I didn't know at the time that would be my only show all year. Sure. Yeah, no, I think the depth gigs are a really exciting thing to do. I did one oh, probably about a year or two now ago. And I, yeah, I did it. Like, I had a friend's band ask me, like, because my mate, one of my best mates, Tyler, who um, he ended up going on a holiday and he forgot he had a gig. Right. <laughs> During the middle of the holidays, like, oh, shit. Like, what do I do? He said, would you do the gig? I'm like... Sure, man. Like, absolutely, yeah. Just thinking in the back of my head. Don't know the songs too well, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll give it a go. But I think it's a really good challenge to say. Yeah, that, that's um, how I felt. It was a, yeah. it was a big challenge. Yeah. Um, it, and yeah, I was I was out of my comfort zone, which is always a good thing to try and do. Um, and yeah, just playing with different musicians, it was a nice feeling. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually like to do more of it. To be honest, yeah. you know, like every time an opportunity like that comes up, I. I'll normally grab it, you know, because, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And it, as much as I love, like, jamming with the boys and being in King Creatures, sometimes it's just nice to see the different side of a different band because every band works completely differently. And as much as, I, yeah, I love it and I, I want to continue doing it, sometimes it is just nice just to give something else a go. Yeah, it, you know? yeah, like just playing with someone yeah. else or, you know, playing with a different bass player and just realising how you can Ooh. play off each other. It's, it's completely different to when you are playing yeah. with the same dudes every every gig so i think you can become a better yeah. player that way so absolutely yeah so this is a my last little question for you if that's cool um sure so with yourself on drums if you could make your own dream band with members of you know any band ever dead or alive who would be in the band with you Ooh. Don't know if I'd even want to be the drummer. Yeah, you um, have to, I know you have to be in this case. I know it's awkward, isn't it? Yeah. If, if, um, you, if it, what musicians would you love to play with, or to play with, or would you think would work together well or uniquely? Oh, trying to think. Start a bass player. Trying to think. Of, well, it's so obvious, but you know, I'd probably I'd have Lemmy as my front man because yeah. yeah. Because, because you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. But yeah. Um, kind of a cool rock band. Um, guitar player. I mean, fuck. So hard. You can have two, you can have two guitar players, can't you? Yeah. Or three. It's always weird. Cool rock guitar players. Like, I was almost called cool, Dan Hawkins from The Darkness, but I actually ended up doing some playing with him out, out in America, actually. So what? Like, I'd have her, yeah. We kept that quiet. Cool. Kept that quiet. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's still more. I can go into it if you want. Yeah, go on in. Go, go, yeah. Go, go on a tangent. Yeah. Well, yeah, because when we uh, 
we ended up playing the NAM show a couple of years ago. Marshall flew us out to America to play the NAM show in 2018, I think it was. Nice. So, um, yeah, we, we were basically doing like two sets a day out in the Marshall booth because they got their own in, they got their own area out there. It's not on the main hall. So, yeah, we were doing a couple of shows and Dan Hawkins also flew out to do some guitar demos and he said, fuck, he's like, yeah, this is all right. I really wish I had a drummer. And then he asked me, he said, would you mind demoing with me on the Marshall booth? I'm like, so I played it off course. Like, oh, yeah, man, of course, I wouldn't mind doing that. Inside, I'm thinking, fuck, man. Like, of course, when I was younger, I remember when Permission to Land came out in like 2004, I was really young. It's like one of the first rock albums I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. They were on the TV all the time. Of course, they, they, at that point, they were huge, weren't they? They were massive. Absolutely huge. Absolutely. So, so I thought, fuck, man, yeah. <laughs> and I just knew so, knew so many Darkness songs in my head. So, yeah, I ended up, um, yeah, down the room with Dan. I, there's a few videos on YouTube on the Marshall page of me playing with Dan. So that was a really cool experience yeah, to play with uh, someone like definitely. that. That was really cool. Yeah, we, done, we did similar things out in a... Marshall flew us out to do another show in China as well. We ended up doing a week, a week or two in Shanghai. That's the dream, man. That's amazing. Yeah. I'd love to go to China. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, we just did a week in Shanghai, which was great. Met loads of really cool people. Like, um, because you could, there was like no noise police like that, really. So there was a lot of full bands playing. So we were playing in one hall and then, it wasn't the full band mind, but in the next door you had like Lamb of God playing. Oh. And of course, but in, you know how China are, they're not in, they don't have the social media platforms we have. So they don't really know who anyone was. Right. Okay. So we'll, we'll pull in bigger crowds than big bands were. Cause we're just, just cause they didn't know who any, anyone was. So we had just masses of crowds afterwards signing everything for everyone. It's like, Little do they know, I'm jumping on the plane to go home, and then I'm back down the pub pulling pints. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's a real culture shock, you know, like from getting like a queue of 200 people getting your picture taken. It's like, yeah, real down to earth, which keeps you grounded, man. I, it, like, I liked it, it was cool, but super weird, you know. That's amazing. So that's a really cool part of what we did. Yeah, we've done quite a bit of um, the circuit for Marshall as well. Yeah, met a lot of cool people out in America and China, and yeah, that's really. Yeah, cool I'm sure you appreciate those. Uh, well, those opportunities because yeah. I've definitely done something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's just just to see more parts of the world that I never thought I'd see because um, and they're paying for it. Yeah, and of course, especially now, I think I don't know America was always hard, but it looks like it's about to get harder, mm. isn't it? To go because visas to play there. Yeah, it, they they've just announced that like the the price of US visas are going up by like 50% or something like that. 50% there and they're already super yeah. expensive. So I, 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 can't, I can't remember how much, but I knew it was like... It's thousands, it's of, gonna be a fair, it's thousands of pounds per member, at least. It's going to be five figures to get your band yeah. over easily. And that's not even, you're not even guaranteed to be granted permission. Obviously, um, yeah, and that's if they approve the Orange it. Goblins drummer got denied, didn't he? The rest of the band went yeah. and he couldn't go. Um, and that, that kind of put was, me off a little bit. I was speaking bit. to Ben about that the other day. Yeah. I was speaking to Ben about that the other day. He said, yeah, they, he said there's such a, such a weird like, place for him because he gave them all the information they needed in the end, like extra information, and never approved it. But luckily, they managed to get a debt drummer because they said if they weren't to do the tour and had to cancel it, it would have financially 
bankrupted the yeah. band. They said it would have destroyed the band. So they had no option but to go. And luckily they had a, a friend out there yeah. who kind of filled the seat and did the shows. But I mean, that's scary, isn't it? You know, because it's, it's a reputable band. And if one little thing goes wrong, it can literally destroy it. It's just it's, so it's, it's crazy, a, really. It's a risk, isn't it's it? Massive you know? risk. Huge risk, yeah. 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 So yeah, I think um Oh you've you I say you've you've played America with the loophole of the uh the cruise ship thing, Yeah, you? I mean it's, it's not yeah, te- technically isn't in America though, because you're just playing on you're, you're playing yeah, on it's in, water, yeah. on international waters. Yeah. We did we were told in advance that we just needed um tourist visas. Um so we've done a few of those kind of cruise ships and that's what we've ever done. But uh, I think it was on the way out or the way back when other boys got questioned and they were like taken into this room saying, oh, you need a working visa. And we were like, well, we were all separated at that time. He was on his own. I can't remember if he was Todd or Tyler, but there was a bit of a, an hour and we were a bit scared because they were like, you need a working visa to do this. And we were like, well, we were told we didn't. We've got this paperwork, blah, 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 blah. He got away with it in the end, but they kind of said next time you'll definitely need a working visa. So I don't know how that's going to work. It's just whether it's grey areas. Yeah, they, maybe they were misinformed and they didn't understand. But it's not the first time we've done it because technically you're not working in America. You're traveling through America to work on international yeah. waters. So I don't know, but it is. Yeah, it's a bit of a minefield, really. And it's so expensive. You know, just yeah. just flights to get out there for a band and crews, crazy. So, yeah, it's unreal, isn't it? You know, it's just, yeah, I don't know how bands manage it unless you're a massive yeah, international. When you've got the. You could sell it out thousands a night, you yeah. know, it's not really viable for yeah. younger bands. It's tricky. It? It's very difficult. Yeah. But get, let's get back to your dream band then. Yeah, then sure. Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll, have, old, I'll have Dan Hawkins in the band because he's a solid rhythm player. He's great, yeah. you know. So, but Lemmy, Dan, kind of. Hit the rock line up. Let's get another guitar player. Um, oh. oh, I don't know. <laughs> so tricky. Um, don't, know, don't know if it's my dream band, but I just, I just, just have Slash on because it's Slash, isn't it? Oh, you know, you're never going to go wrong. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, you can't really go wrong. You never, you, you can't go wrong there, can you? He's just, he's quality. So I'd probably have Slash and, don't know, whatever. And sick John Lord on the keys. Ah, Why that not? Would be banging. That would be cool. I think he's a pretty popular uh, keyboardist. When I asked this question, I think I think he's pretty much everyone's go-to, probably, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, man. Oh, awesome! That sounds great. Like, well, look, I guess you've there are there is a track or is it track or two, a couple of tracks with Lemmy and Slasher playing together. So, sure, yeah, yeah it's a few of those, a few of those. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, that'd be good, man. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to? plug or mention now before we finish i think we've kind of no just uh, everything yeah just mention that if everyone can check the new album set the world on fire yeah. that's coming out on 6th november it'd be available to stream or if you like it you could you could buy it which would be great yeah. just just that really and yeah just thanks for having me dane it's been a, it's been great man, oh, man. No, absolute pleasure and thanks for taking the time and i hope things not problem. work out well for you next year I hope you sell, right, sell lots of albums. I can't wait to um, listen to it myself because I, I remember some no, of them. I can't wait to hear yours either. Yeah, well, a few people have heard it and they, they're all saying it's good, some of the press people. So that's encouraging. So we'll see. That's good, man. Yeah, because you don't know when it's your own work. You're like, oh, it's all right. I think it's, it's, it's and you're, enough. You're, 
you're always your own worst critic. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully, um, yeah. well, by the time this goes out, it won't be long until that's released because that's coming out on the 13th of November. So I think it's like the sub- a cool. week after yours. So that'd be cool, man. Smash him. Thanks again. Um, so check out King Creature. And, or can, if anyone wants to follow you on social media, do you know your tags? Yeah, if you want to follow my personal uh, Instagram, I think it's King Creature Bassett. I think you can find me at there. Of course, just King Creature across Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all that. Yeah, yeah. awesome. We're easy to find. But yeah, come along, have a chat, this and that. Awesome. So welcome. Check it out, guys. Again, well, thanks, Jack. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Okay, mate? Smash it. Cheers, Dan. Thank you awesome. very much. Ta-ra, man. Bye-bye. Cheers. Run for the song podcast. Hope you enjoyed that, guys. What a lovely fella Jack is. Hope you all agree. I'm sure you do. So make sure you check out their new album, Set the World on Fire. It's going to be released on November the 6th, 2020, just in case you're listening to this in the future. If you're listening to this now, what I will also mention that I mentioned in the interview is that my band, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, we have our new album, that's going to be released on November the 13th. And it's called We're the Bastards. That's out via Nuclear Blast. So check that one out as well. Lots of great music come in this November, which is nice, I'm sure. But go check out King Creature. Make sure you're following them on social media. To keep up to date with their future touring plans. And make sure you go see them live at some point. They were amazing when they supported us last year. Just such a spot on band. And they fuse a few genres together really nicely. But yeah, check them out. As I said at the start, please make sure you're following me on social media. I always love seeing when people are listening to the episodes in Instagram stories and Facebook stories or whatever, or just tagging me on things on Twitter. I'm pretty interactive on there. So if anyone wants to comment or send me a message on Twitter or anything like that, give me some feedback would be amazing. If you want to leave me a review, that would be super super kind especially on apple because that really helps with search listings apparently and i could do with some uh, help in that department but yeah if you're watching on youtube leave a comment leave a like make sure you're subscribed as well tell a friend about it the organic growth from you telling your friends is really helpful you might not realize that it is but that's kind of how people find out about the podcast also please let me know who you'd like to see or here on the podcast in the future. I've got my own wish list that I'm trying to get through gradually, but there are probably loads of people I don't know about or haven't thought about yet. I'm pretty sure some of the guys on my wish list might not be accessible anyway, but I can try my best. I'm trying to release two episodes per month or one every two weeks, depending. So I'm trying my best to keep up with that, with all the other stuff that's going on. But I think I'm Getting on top of it now, I'm finding the technical aspects of the recording and the editing. I'm get, I'm finding that a lot easier now, which is speeding up the process a little bit, which is cool. As I mentioned at the start, if you really want to help me out, you can support me on patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are a few different tiers on there. There's one that's one pound a month, which is a general support. 
is £3 a month. That gets you early access to the episodes and it also gives you access to the exclusive bonus episode that I do every month. There's one tier for £5 a month that gives you all that that I just mentioned. But it also gets you included on the monthly Q&A that I do. And I find that really fun once a month. I get to meet a load of you guys and we talk about drums and loads of other things. And it's really cool. And there's also another tier for £10 a month. That's the Groove Masters. Um, one of the bonuses of that is that I thank you on the podcast. So I'm going to take that moment now to thank Rudy Pauly, Dean S. Monaghan, Dan Hurst, Gareth Richards, and Steve Hancock. Thanks, guys. I really, really appreciate your continued support. Some of the other benefits of that Groove Master tier is that, well, when shows actually start back again, I'll get, get you free entry to one of my Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons headline shows. I also give you an opportunity to ask one of my future guests a question. I, I sometimes stick one of those questions in if I've got enough time. I give you the shout out that I've just done and I include your name on the description of the podcast. If you really like the podcast but are not too keen on paying monthly, that's cool as well. But if you want to support me and say a little thank you, there is another option. It's the Acast supporter feature. There should be a link for that in the description of this episode of the podcast. If this is your first episode, I've got nine more preceding this, so go and check them out. I've got some great drummers. Most of them you will have heard of. There might be a few you haven't, but if you haven't heard of them, go check them out because they're all awesome. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. But I think I've covered everything there. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening, especially thanks for listening towards the end as well. Give me a share, give me a like, give me a comment. Make sure you're subscribed. And I look forward to speaking at you in the next episode. So until next time, and don't forget, if you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song. <laughs>